Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Tonight we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit. We've been talking about the Holy Ghost and the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. Last time we talked about the fruit of the Spirit, broke them down into uh, nine, the nine gifts of, or, or fruit rather of the Spirit, uh, three, three, and three. Um, tonight we're going to continue on the study of the Holy Ghost and talk about uh, the gifts of the Spirit. And so let's pray first and then we'll begin. Father, we thank you for the privilege of studying your word together. And Father, we believe that your Holy Spirit is here tonight anointing our ears to hear, hearts to receive, and minds to be open. And Father, we give ourselves to you to be changed from glory to glory by your Spirit, by what we hear, that we might conform to the very image of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. That we might honor you with our lives upon this earth and glorify you and never bring reproach to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That the choices and decisions that we make, Father, in this life, indeed will honor you and advance your kingdom. Be glorified in and through our lives, Father God, and thank you for making my tongue as the pen of a ready writer to proclaim with boldness and accuracy the knowledge of the truth that liberates and makes us free. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1 will be our beginning text. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant, or in other words, without knowledge. I want you to be informed, in other words. So if God wants us to be informed in a specific area of teaching, then we should heed that. We should take that to heart. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. He doesn't want us ignorant about how the Holy Spirit manifests himself in gifts, these gifts of the Spirit. And so the gifts of the Spirit, first and foremost, will always glorify and declare Jesus as Lord. Notice in, in the second and third verses what it says. You know that you were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols. He's pretty explicit about that, isn't he? What kind of idols were they? Dumb. It's dumb to serve idols. Who's your God? This little wood figure right here. Imagine that. Really. Who's your God? Well, I've got this uh, flower pot in the backyard there. It's like a, you know, you, you see the flower, though, it's beautiful. They're dumb. These people were involved in dumb worship. Involved in witchcraft, involved in spiritism, spiritualism, involved in all kinds of craziness, psychic readings and everything, astrology and etc. Even as you were led... Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Anyone that's under any inspiration of the Holy Spirit will always glorify Jesus and declare him as Lord. He's saying that to these people because remember back then they're involved in all these particular things that were very real. And so if someone came along with the wrong spirit and tried to speak against Jesus, remember the day that they're talking about, the day that they're living in, they were against Jesus, and you know that as well as I do. And so they began to speak out, maybe prophesy and say certain things about Jesus, cursing Jesus, etc., etc. Well, you know what? Then they're not under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, because the Holy Ghost will never do that. He was saying that's a wrong spirit. Only the right spirit will declare Jesus as Lord. But then secondly... Next, there are different gifts, even though it's just the same spirit. Look at verse 4. There are different gifts. There are diversities of gifts, different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. So we know there are nine manifestations of the spirit, but that doesn't mean there's nine spirits. It means that there's one spirit, the same spirit, but will manifest himself in different gifts, different ways. And each one has a specific purpose. And then next, there are different ministries. But one Lord, look at verse 5. 
there are differences of ministrations but the same Lord it's the same Lord it doesn't matter what you've been called to what ministry you have he's the same Lord over all he's trying to show unity he's trying to show that it's the same spirit working together to fulfill a purpose in the father's plan as far as glorifying Jesus in the life of every individual person giving them a position and a place to function in but it's the same spirit it's the same Lord it's all the same it's the same Godhead working together to accomplish and achieve the purposes of the father also there are different operations but the same God look at verse 6 different operations same God there are diversities of operations but it's the same God that works all in all and whether it comes to these particular gifts they can operate in different ways but it's the same God it doesn't mean that it's another God you have to remember they were accustomed to having a God for this and a God for that and a God for this and a God for that that's how they live their lives but now they're changed now they understand and know the truth and now the Holy Spirit is manifesting himself not an unholy spirit but remember this Satan can appear as an angel of light as well and manifest himself in such a way so as to deceive people but I saw the light. Well, wonderful. If it doesn't line up with the scriptures, with the word of God, I'm not buying it. Doesn't matter what happened, I'm not buying it. It has to line up with the word of God. The Holy Spirit is at work. There are different operations, but he's also, once again, going to always agree with the word and the blood. Okay? And then, there are, the gifts are also for the common good or the common benefit of the whole body of Christ but the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man why to profit with all and that means that the gifts of the spirit operating in the life of a person is not specifically for that person but for the whole body each and every one of us can experience gifts and operations of the spirit that will be a blessing to the whole entire body and God wants us all to be blessings within a local body of believers here but also within a body of Christ in general and so it could be that God has gifted you with a specific gift and that gift is to be used by you to advance the kingdom of God and bless other people. And he wants us to understand this. He wants us to know this and not be ignorant of it. And then also beginning at verse 8 through 10 we see that there are nine manifestations of the Spirit, nine gifts of the Spirit and they're categorized in three different categories. For the one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom to another the word of knowledge by the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. So we see in these scriptures we have nine gifts or manifestations of the spirit, but there are three different categories of the gifts. So first, the first categories, we look at the categories, number one, we have the inspirational gifts and these are the gifts that say something. You can call them utterance gifts as well. These gifts say something. So they are prophecy which is inspired utterance in a known tongue and we're told to covet to prophesy as a matter of fact. You know what that means? Desire it strongly. Ask yourself the question, have I really desired this? follow after charity, desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may what? Prophesy. So in other words, every believer then should take that to heart and just say, I can be yielded to God as a vessel to prophesy and to speak forth utterance that is inspired by God to be a blessing to other people that are around me. And we all can be yielded to that. But then after prophecy there's tongues or diverse kinds of tongues which is inspired utterance in an unknown language, unknown to the person who is speaking the language. And so you can speak out in another language that you've never learned by the unction of the Spirit and along with the interpretation of the tongues it'll be made intelligible to the individual and it can be a blessing. So you've got those three particular gifts, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues, their utterance gifts and they say something. Then you've got the second set of three and that's the revelation gifts. And the revelation gifts, not too hard to figure this out, what do they do? They reveal something. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge and the discerning of spirit. So the word of wisdom is just what it says. It is the word of wisdom. A word is a fragment part of a sentence. It's not the whole sentence. It's just a part of it. 
the word. God can give a word of wisdom to somebody which talks about the future. And really it's a wonderful gift because if you know something's going to happen in advance, praise God, you can prepare for it. Amen? So it's the word of wisdom and then the word of knowledge. Now the word of knowledge, it deals with the past and the present. Something that took place in the past or something that's taking place in the present. That's the word of knowledge. But notice it's not all the knowledge. It is a word of knowledge that God will drop something down into your heart. A word it could be. I remember one time, for example, it was just a word, bitterness. And that one word dropped into my spirit was a word of knowledge that helped someone who had an eye muscle deteriorated to get a creative miracle in her eye. Just by listening to one word that God spoke, the word of knowledge. Of course, you have to pursue it. Does does this bitterness mean anything to you? Oh, yes, it does. We got that thing corrected. And then uh, the power of God was unleashed and the person got a creative miracle out of it. But notice it was a gift in operation called the word of knowledge that enabled God to get his work done in that person's life. It's something that you had no access to. I would never know that. But God did and he passed it on. So it's the word of knowledge. Then you've got the gift called the discerning of spirits. These reveal something. Discerning of spirits is the ability to see into the spirit realm. You can actually see in the spirit realm. Not to be confused with familiar spirits because some people that are out there and they're delving in the all kind of witchcraft and Satanism and all that sort of thing, they see spirits as well. They see spirits also. You're seeing angels. You could be seeing demon spirits. So you have this ability at that moment to look beyond the natural. It's almost as if the curtain is removed that separates the spiritual from the natural world. And you can see the work of a spirit. You can actually see a spirit. You can see the glory of God. I remember one time when I first came here many, many moons ago, almost 37 years ago, and I was invited to go up to Prayer Mountain. You've been to Prayer Mountain? How many have been to Prayer Mountain? up to Prayer Mountain, and, uh, and to speak up there, they were having a revival service, and I'm standing, I'm, I'm getting ready, everybody's worshiping like we were doing here tonight, and all of a sudden, I look over to my right, and I see the glory of God just standing over in the area, we're outside in a t- under a tent, and I saw the glory, first I thought it was someone cooking out, I saw the smoke just, you know, it looked like someone's having a cookout over there, and I look back, and the wind was blowing, I look back over, it wasn't moving, it was still standing there. I looked again, it's still standing there. And finally I looked back and then it was gone, just like that, it disappeared. And it was the glory of God that was just standing there, like a cloud. Hard to explain, but you can see that it was glory. And then at the end of the meeting, that glory came in and just flooded the place. I'm telling you, it fell in such a powerful and glorious way. People were just coming up, you know, people are skeptical about like people falling under the power. You're pushing them down. (laughs) Let me tell you something, they didn't even get within three feet of me. They would walk up to, to get to, to, for prayer and boom, hit the floor just like that. Everywhere. People just falling over. Everywhere. The glory of the Lord fell in the house of God. And you get the ability to see for a moment in time the glory or a demonic spirit, which we'll talk about that when we get to those gifts. But then also thirdly, the third set is the power gifts. Special faith, gifts of healing, Working of miracles, working of miracles, gifts of healings, those three. So special faith, I say special faith because it's faith beyond your faith. It's faith that you haven't developed and you really can't develop at that moment, at that time. It's something that's deposited in you by the Holy Ghost and it buoys up your faith is what it does. It girds up your faith. It enables you to act out in such a way that's beyond your development level of faith. When my daughter fell, it was one of the things that, just, that I know went in operation. When my daughter fell 10 feet and she was a bloody mess and couldn't walk and she was only three and a half years old, fell 10 feet, looked like, you know, all these thoughts, she's going to be paralyzed, crippled, and et cetera, et cetera. But I'm telling you, there's something that got a hold. I didn't know it then that it was this gift of faith, but special faith. But it got a hold of my spirit. And when it did, I just said, now she's healed. No evidence of it, none whatsoever. But I knew that I knew, like I knew my name, she is healed. And the girl got a miracle. Praise God for that. But it was special faith in operation. It wasn't just faith that you have developed just by studying, reading the Word, meditating and all that. It was a gift of the Spirit. 
And it went into operation because of another gift of the Spirit, which was called speaking in tongues. And we'll talk about some of these things. But special faith, then gifts, or, or let's say working of miracles. Working of miracles. That means that the power of God enters into the realm in which we live and does something that is not possible to do in the natural course of things. Turning water into wine. Try that. Try filling up some 30-gallon jugs with water and taking it to the president and see what happens to you. Try walking on water without the unction of the Spirit. Try getting axe head to float. That violates natural laws, the law of gravity, doesn't it? So you see, working of miracles is a special gift that can go on operation in a person's life at any time. And a miracle can be worked by, by a believer. And then gifts of healings. There is an impartation of the Spirit called gifts of healings. Where he deposits into a person sometimes just for a moment. Or sometimes it will actually rest upon the person and they will have that gift. And I remember uh, Brother Hagin saying when he was caught up. I think it was 1915. He was caught up into the throne of God. And he was told kneel down before me. And he knelt down before Jesus. And Jesus took his right hand. His finger his right hand. And touched the palm of his hands and said I have given unto thee a special healing anointing. And he gave him some instructions as to how to use it. So there are different manifestations of the spirit. Now you can't covet that. You can position yourself to receive, but you can't covet that. You can't covet any of them. You can position yourself to receive them and be used in, in them, but they're all there for all of us if we'll just get serious about it. Amen? Now the one I want to bring out tonight is the inspirational gift called diverse kinds of tongues. And the reason why I say that is because this is the doorway into all the others. This is the doorway. It's the supernatural doorway into the realm of the Spirit. And the more you and I pray in the Spirit, the wider that door opens, the more available we become. A lot takes place. I believe the enemy has done a pretty good job to snuff out this gift of the Spirit in people's lives deceiving people, making them think that it's not all that important, you don't really need it. He's shutting down the power of God from people's lives. Making people think that it's not really necessary, it's just a side issue, and some do and some don't, forget about it. Don't buy it. If God says it's there, and if he says we all should do it, matter of fact, let's give you the verses. First of all, 1 Corinthians 12, 10. Here we have it defined again, or, or stated again. To another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, discerning of spirits, to another, diverse kinds of tongues, and to another, interpretation of tongues. But notice it's diverse or different kinds of tongues, different kinds. Look at Mark's Gospel, chapter 16. And this was written in red. You don't see it red on our monitor here, but it was written in red. And who spoke these words? Right, if it's in red, Jesus said them. Who's he speaking to? His apostles or disciples. Who's he speaking about? Anyone who will believe on him. For example, the prior verses say, Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. He's not talking about them. He's talking to them about those who believe. They already believe. In my name, he says, what will they do? Cast out devils. And then what? speak with new tongues so Jesus declared that he made that known if you believe in me you have the ability to cast out devils you can speak with new tongues you could take like serpents you could drink anything it won't hurt you lay hands on the sick and they shall recover but to clarify that it doesn't mean you go off and drink something that's deadly and think you're going to recover it's talking about in the setting of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ where you go no matter where it's at in Africa, India, China, no Japan, wherever you go and someone's got your number they want to kill you by putting poison in your food or your drink and you get wind of it you can say in Jesus name I will not be victimized by it. No way. And it's happened on numerous occasions in people's lives. Take up serpents Paul, he had the, you know, the, the, the snake and shake. Remember the snake and shake incident? Remember that? Mm-hmm. Remember that? 
Not steak and shake, Aaron. Snake and shake. <laughs> he shook the snake off in the fire. Shook it off. The venom had no power over him. It wasn't he was running around saying, get a mouse trap. Get a snake trap. Get a bear trap. He wasn't saying, get the out of venom, etc. He just went. And you know why he could do that? He could do that because prior to this, he just overcame a what? A shipwreck? And what did the angel tell him? Fear not, Paul. You got to go to Rome. He wasn't in Rome yet. See, he had an appointment in Rome, so that snake couldn't kill him. We can learn a lesson from that. Make appointments for the future. Make sure that God's on, on the one that's making the appointment for you. Then so when something tries to interrupt that, you can just say, I'm too, you can't do anything because I got to get to wherever. He shook it off. That was it. Okay. In my name, they will speak with new tongues. Who am I to argue with Jesus? There's such a to-do about this thing called tongues. And it's the enemy that's been, like I said, actively at work to try to discourage people to make them think either it's of the devil himself. I served the devil for all those years. He never let me speak in tongues. I get filled with the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues. Now they say I'm of the devil. Come on. Let's get, let's get with the word. Okay, look at this. In the book of Genesis, chapter 11, verse 1. We're really going to get into it. And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. Anybody have an idea what that language or speech was? <laughs> How about the dialect? <laughs> Glory to God, tongues, okay. But anybody have an idea what that language was? Well, I asked that one question. Someone said, it must have been Hebrew. Well, the, Israel wasn't even born yet. There was no Hebrew nation. But I remember this, that Adam and Eve talked to God in the cool of the day. They conversed with him, and they spoke his language. And so whatever his language was that they spoke, and remember he created them, so I'm sure since they understood each other, they spoke the same language. And I'm sure Adam and Eve taught their children the same language. So you could say it was a heavenly or a godly language that they spoke. And because they all had one language and they all taught their children that same one language and everybody on the face of the earth had the same language, they could communicate effectively with one another. But when God saw this going on, that there was unity among the people, look at verse 5, we'll read 5 through 7, look what he had to do. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, now we say Babel, but the proper pronunciation is Babel, which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. What language is it? The one they've been taught from the beginning. And this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. So go to let us. This is going to take the whole Godhead. You see that? Let us, the whole Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Let us go down and there confound or confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. And it gives the impression of an immediate, sudden, instant impact, boom. Uh, hey, my brother, hand me a break, Quesadilla. Como esta? What did he say? Can you imagine that? All of a sudden, no one understood each other. I just want a brick. Give me some mortar. And he goes. Think about it. Put yourself there. Whoa. And now everybody scatters, the Bible says, and they go all the different ways and different places. Those that understood this language, those that understood that language, I guess we need to be together because we can understand each other. Go over there, they can understand each other. That's where everybody's language was confounded. Do you see that? And there was no longer any unity. And so they forgot the project. 
the tower was like about 300 feet high. There's pictures of it. You can see different pictures or sketches where you can see what it possibly looked like and even the excavation and all that sort of thing. I mean, there's a lot of things. But anyhow, it's almost like it was, how do you get the, the bricks all the way up there? And there was like a, it was a wraparound. It would just go up and just keep wrapping around like that there and just keep taking it up higher and higher and higher and higher and higher and higher. Over 300 feet high. When God says, we got to do something about this. Let's stop this right now. So the whole project was stopped when they couldn't any longer communicate with each other. Their languages were confounded. But I want you to see something here. Look in the book of Zephaniah, chapter 3. And verse 9. This is the ESV version. English standard version. This is prophetic. For at that time... I will change the speech of the peoples to a pure speech that all of them may call upon the name of the Lord and serve him with one accord. There's going to come a time when he's going to change the speech and it's going to be a pure speech. And that pure speech will enable them to serve the Lord once again. How? In one accord. In unity. In harmony. But this time carrying out his purpose. His plan. His will. Well. I believe. That when you talk about tongues. You're talking about. God initiating that process. Where once again, he's going to, when he wraps up this whole thing, I believe, see to it that we all speak the same language. Why would there be a need for another language? A perfect, pure, heavenly language, godly language, I believe it goes back to what it was back then, God's language. Whatever it is. Doesn't really matter what it is. But whatever it is, that's what we'll all speak. Because we're all going to be one. Right? But now, what tongues is not? It is not linguistic ability. It's not linguistic ability. Sometimes, if you want to get a good laugh, sometimes go online and just see what people think about tongues. It'll really get you going. And and these highly intellectual people that have no clue about spiritual manifestations. Well, this one was gifted because they can speak eight languages. That has nothing to do with this gift of the Spirit. These gifts are spiritual. They are supernatural impartations of the Holy Spirit when he comes into the life of a believer imparting to that individual gifts that come from the very throne itself. So tongues, as they received on the day of Pentecost, They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They all spoke with other tongues. The Spirit of God gave them utterance. It's a tongue that was a supernatural manifestation inspired by the Holy Spirit that enabled them to speak a language that they didn't know. So it's not a learned language. Gifts are not something that you learn. It's not a learned thing. It's a God-given thing. But then secondly, and this one really, really gets to me. It doesn't mean you have the ability to stop swearing. Or cursing. When I first got saved, and bless his heart, this is the same individual that told me I wasn't born again because I wasn't baptized in water. And I thought, I know me before I got born again, I know me now. I'm born again, no matter what your philosophy or theology is, I know I'm born again, I know I'm a child of God. Sorry to burst your bubble, he said. Well, he would just fought tooth and nail. Sorry to burst your bubble, but if you haven't been baptized in water, I was, now that I'm thinking, look back on it, probably said my water. (laughs) Someone's specific bathtub, I don't know. Then you're not really born again. I said, sir, with all due respect, I know I'm born again. I just want to get baptized in water. Get me in, get me out, so to speak. That was in my thinking. And I did, I got baptized in water. But, um... I had a little bit of boldness back then. I asked the individual since he had that view. I said, what do you think about this speaking in other tongues? What is that? 
See, I was already filled with the Holy Ghost at that time. I spoke in other tongues at that time. And he said, well, that means that you won't swear anymore. It means you get to clean up your mouth. And I thought, I thought what? Seriously? You see, you can see that it really takes the Holy Spirit to open up people's eyes, that they can really see the truth. Here is a person who was in the ministry for many, many, many years, who really was a good preacher. I heard him preach about the rich man and Lazarus, the first time I ever heard that preach, and I'll tell you what, it got to my heart. When I started seeing his views on other things like this, water baptism, you're not saved by water baptism, you're saved by making Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Then you get baptized in water to let people know. But then this here, I got filled with the Holy Ghost. And I spoke with other tongues. And then I asked about healing. You know, and then it's the same thing. You get the same story that, well, it may not be for everybody. Then you start realizing not everybody believes the same. And you start, you know, getting through all this and realizing all this. And so um, that's what he told me. But that's not what the gift is. It's not giving you the ability to stop cursing. I can prove that to you. Listen to some people talk. We won't go there. So let's talk about what it is. What is it? It is inspired utterance in an unknown tongue. Inspired utterance. It's the Holy Ghost moving upon somebody, inspiring him to speak forth something from God. Inspired utterance. You don't know it. You don't understand it. But you're speaking in a language that you don't understand or know. But it is inspired and it has its purposes. Number one, there are three different kinds of tongues. Remember diverse kinds of tongues? Number one, you have sign tongues. On the day of Pentecost, it was a sign. As they spoke in other tongues, all these other individuals heard them speak in these other languages that they had never learned before. And they were speaking the wonderful works of God and the things of God. They heard that. It was like for a sign to them. It captured their attention. Then secondly, there's what is called ministry tongues. Ministry tongues could be like you're in a church service like this here. And you have a ministry of tongues which is a manifestation of the Spirit that's probably going to be with you and, and rest upon you in a greater way than, than other people. And that's when you bring forth or deliver a message in tongues. But if you're well taught and you know what the Scriptures teach, you won't deliver that message unless you know there's an interpreter there to interpret the message or unless you yourself have prayed to interpret tongues so that it's not left hanging, so to speak. So now we have those two kinds. You've got sign tongues. You've got ministry tongues. Someone asked me about that today, about tongues, and I said, um, let me just say this to you. If you want your car fixed, don't go to a doctor. Go to a mechanic. If you want to know about spiritual gifts and the gifts of the Spirit, don't go to someone who doesn't have them. Go to someone who has and who knows about them, because you're going to get the wrong perspective. If you go to someone that knows anything about it, right? So the third type of tongues is the one that's mostly used. Devotional tongues. And so you see because of a misunderstanding of the sign tongues and a misunderstanding of the ministry tongues where it says, I know I can just hear their wheels turning right now, but it says, do all speak in tongues? And the answer is no. I know it's talking about ministry tongues and not everybody has that gift. But when it comes to devotional tongues, why don't they quote Paul saying, I wish you all spake with tongues. Devotional tongues is for everyone. Your private devotional life. That's why the majority of our praying in other tongues is not public, but private. And when you do it in private, and the more you do it in private, the more impacting it's going to be upon your Christian experience and life the more you're going to give place to the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life, the more you're going to position yourself through that open door to experience even other ministry, ministry gifts or, or spiritual gifts of the Spirit, they'll be in operation. But the less we do it, the less we venture into that spiritual realm. And the more we stay in the natural realm. And you end up having uh, 
possibly dry dead services. I'd rather have, like we had Sunday morning, God moving in power. What about you? I'd rather see God move like that. Okay, so then those are the three kinds. But then also, it's a direct line of communication. It's a time of intimacy with the Father, a direct line of communication. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, notice in verse 2. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men but unto God. Oh, just stop right there. There you are off in a corner somewhere and you're praying in other tongues and people think you're a lunatic. What are you doing? Excuse me, sir, what are you doing? I'm speaking to God. Them, they'll know you're a lunatic, but <laughs> they'll think you're insane. But who are you speaking to when you speak in an unknown tongue? What does it say there? You're not speaking to men. You're speaking to God. For no man understands him, including yourself. Howbeit, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries or divine secrets. So what is tongues? It's a supernatural means of communication. A direct hotline to heaven. And you're speaking directly to God. Divine secrets. And you see, while you're doing that, you're now setting in motion, or you're positioning yourself to set in motion other gifts of the Spirit. So that what could possibly happen is you get an interpretation of that. Or you get a revelation of some things that you might be praying out in the spirit. And there is such tremendous benefit to that. That goes beyond even what we can imagine. And I'm talking about life saving things. As a result. But suffice it to say right now. That's another uh, thing that we could say it is. It's directly speaking to God. In a language he understands. And it won't be, won't it be a wonderful thing on the other side when, when this is all wrapped up. You know, you know how they have all these like, who's going to win the March Madness game? And they have all these brackets and all that. Let's list down all these different tongues that we have and say which one we're going to end up with <laughs> on the other side. <laughs> That's a good one, Aaron. Write that down. A supernatural blessing tongue. But one of those tongues, who knows, maybe all those tongues, all put together with this great tongue. There's going to be one speech. Why do you think the Bible says be of one heart, one mind, one accord, speaking the same things? Can you imagine if you can get husbands and wives to do that? Oh, I'm sorry. Let's start from the beginning. Can you imagine to get males and females to do that? Blue world, pink world. One world, two views. One perspective, another perspective. I'm right, I'm right. According to each perspective. Now try blending those two together to think alike and speak alike, etc., etc. Why does she talk like that? What about him? But you see, on the other side, it won't be like that. Perfect harmony. Perfect harmony. Everything flowing out of love. Every expression. Perfection. Can you imagine Jesus living for three and a half years on this planet and every word that he spoke out of his mouth was 100% filled with love. Even if it was judgment, it was perfect love in manifestation. Something to think about. But on the other side, praise God. That's how it will be. Then it's also uh, praying apart from, let's say, our own understanding. It's praying apart from what our mind and will and emotions can conjure up. Look at 1 Corinthians 14, 14. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. Now, that sounds crazy. I don't know what I'm saying. Does the Bible not say we live by faith, not sight? The just shall live by faith, and we walk by faith and not by sight. See, it takes faith to believe that what I'm saying is more accurate than what I could say when I know what I'm saying. Because half the time, we don't know what we're saying anyhow. Do we? 
honestly. I never forget, I think I was watching this one thing, and, and someone was spouting off saying a bunch of, bunch of stuff, and, and the fellow looked at him and just said, what are you talking about? He goes, I don't know. I don't know. You ever find yourself there? What are you talking about? I don't know. I'm just spouting out words, I guess. I don't know what I'm talking about. Our understanding limits our prayer length, our life of prayer. Limits it. We can be more effective if we had faith to believe that, okay, Father, I know that you said to pray this way about that situation, so I'm praying that in English. But I also know I'm smart enough, I'm wise enough, I'm spiritual enough to know that that could be flawed in my thinking. So I'll pray with my understanding and line that up with the word. But then I'm going to invite the Holy Ghost to take over with me and continue to help me pray out that situation in a perfect manner. I may not know what I'm saying, but I believe that what I'm saying is the perfect will of God. We might be more effective in our prayer lives by doing such a thing. But you see, because the devil's got people shying away from tongues, tongues, who, who wants tongues? I want the Holy Ghost, but not the tongue. You buy your shoe, you get the tongue. goes with it. Right? That's just the way it is. Cut it out if you want to. Leave it go if you want to. But you know what? It goes with it. God knows what he's doing. When the, when the Jewish camp, when they were baptized with the Holy Ghost, they spoke with other tongues. Then when he went down to the uh, Gentile camp, when they got baptized in the Holy Ghost, they spoke with other tongues. When Paul went to Ephesus in Acts 19, 19 years after, after Pentecost, guess what? Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? We never heard there would be a Holy Ghost. Well, what were you baptized to? We are baptized into John's baptism. Well, John baptized to repentance. But Jesus, he'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. He got them saved, laid hands on them. They got filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake in tongues and magnified God. Even 19 years afterward, these people say, well, it all died with the apostles. For some reason, they think everything died with the apostles. I think they might think that God died with the apostles, but I don't know. Next, it's praying with our spirit. Look at verse 15 of 1 Corinthians 14. It's praying with our spirit, not just our brain. Would you rather have brain power or spirit power? Because you can only imagine how much power we have in our brains. You know, someone thinks, I'm a genius, I use 10% of my brain. Just think that through for a while. I don't use the other 90, but the 10% makes me a genius. Something tells me that that's backwards. Maybe if you're using 90% of your brain, you might be classified or considered to be a genius. But Adam used 100% of his brain power. Think about it. 1 Corinthians 14, 15, we have that verse. If I pray in a known tongue, what is it then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit, I will sing with the understanding also. So he's talking about the distinction between praying and singing with your understanding, your mind, will, emotions, and intellect, and also praying out of your spirit. And if the amplified version was, was pulled up, you'd see it. My spirit, by the Holy Spirit within me, pray. There's an interaction between the Holy Spirit and our spirit, and together we're praying out the perfect will of the Father. So you see why the enemy doesn't want us to be involved in, in this ministry called tongues, and especially the devotional tongue, because in your private devotional prayer life, you can activate the ministry of the Holy Spirit in such a way so as to have him move, quicken your body, impart other gifts, etc., etc. And then next, it's a way to give thanks well. 1 Corinthians 14, look at verses 16 through 18. Else when thou shalt bless with the Spirit, he's talking about if you, if you speak in tongues and bless the food in tongues and there's not interpretation, then no one's going to know what you're talking about. So don't do that. And that's understandable. Else when the, you shall bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupies the room of the unlearned say amen at thy giving of thanks? Seeing that he understands not what you're saying. But notice this. For thou verily givest thanks well, but the other's not edified. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than 
you all. It really, it really just tickles me when I hear people say, well, Paul didn't speak in tongues. Really? I speak in tongues more than you all. And these were professional tongue talkers. We're talking about the Corinthians. They were crazy with the gifts of the Spirit. They spoke in tongues all the time. When they should, when they shouldn't. They shouldn't. They were in, in all kind of uh, out of order ministry and all that. Paul says, I speak in tongues more than all. Well, then if he didn't do it basically publicly, he says, in the public meeting, I'd rather speak, you know, three words in my known language than a thousand words in tongues. Why? Because you don't understand what I'm saying unless I interpret it. So the point of ministry gift then would be, if you give a tongue, interpret that tongue. But if you're just doing it devotionally, if you're just doing it all together and praising God together, that's okay because you're not giving a specific message to somebody in tongues. But your devotional tongue, you can pray morning, noon, night, driving in your car, praise God. I'll tell you what, you want to get your car filled with the glory? Sit there and pray in tongues. It'll just fill up with the glory of God. I'm telling you, hallelujah. And that, that glory filling up your, your, your car when you're driving, praise God, is better than anything that can protect you from any harm, damage, or injury. And then also, it's a way to build ourselves up on our most holy faith. Oh no, it's a, mean, a means of self-edification. 14, 1 Corinthians 14. If I pray on a tongue, my spirit, pray, my understanding is unfruitful. But if you were to interpret that tongue and understand it, then you would build yourself up. Look at Jude 20. It's a way to build yourself up on your most holy faith. Jude 20, you beloved, building up yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Someone was, was once asked, what does it mean to pray more in the Holy Ghost? He said, pray more fervently. Really? That's not what the word says. It says if you pray in the Spirit, your Spirit's praying and the Holy Spirit within you is praying. He's talking about tongues, but everybody wants to shy away from this, which really, if we were way back in the first century church, there'd be no issues. Everybody was encouraged to pray in the Holy Ghost. Everybody was encouraged to pray in tongues. That's why Paul said, have you been filled with the Holy Ghost since you believed? But in our modern Western theology, it's of the devil. Okay, it's a way to declare the wonders of God. We'll wrap this up real quick. Look at Acts 2.11. Cretans, Arabians, do we hear them speak in our tongues? The wonderful works of God. Hallelujah. Don't you want to have a means by which you can speak the wonderful works of God? It's not gibberish. The devil will try to make you think it's gibberish, but it's pleasant to the ears of God. You know why? It gets our intellect out of the way. It gets our brain power out of the way. It stops us from being selfish in our prayers and all that and thinking that we have words that we can concoct or come up with in our own language that can give God the praise he deserves. We can. Thank you. Bless you. Love you. Worship you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Those are wonderful words. But they fall so short. They fall, you, they fall so short that the writer, I like to know if the writer of the song, Go for a Thousand Tongues to Sing My Savior's Praise. We gave him one and he would have just, just flew off the handle. A thousand tongues, but we just give you one, an un, unknown tongue. They're so opposed to it. But you see, the song says the message. I'm not adequate in praising my God. I need a new tongue. He provides it. It's a means by which we can praise him, worship him, honor him in a perfect, perfect manner. Next, it's a way to magnify God. Acts 10, 46. This is at Cornelius' house. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And then Peter answered Peter, why shouldn't they be baptized as well? So they knew they were filled with the Holy Ghost because they heard them speak in tongues and do what? Speaking in tongues, magnify. You know what magnify means? To make him bigger. You want him bigger in your life? Pray in tongues, speak in tongues. You want him bigger in your car? Speak in tongues while you're driving in the car. It would get bigger with the glory and the power of Almighty God. You want him in your affairs? Pray in other tongues, speak in other tongues. He'll get bigger. Magnify means make bigger and bigger and bigger. You see, we're relying upon ourselves, our ability, our strength to get the job done when he says don't do that. Turn it over to me and pray in the Holy Ghost and watch what I can do as I manifest my power, he is saying. And then also, 
it's part of our Christian armor. For some reason, this is somewhat left out. But look at Ephesians 6 and verse 18. He names all the Christian armor. And at the end he says, and praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So when he gets to the end or the list of the armor of God, he says, and finally praying always with our prayer in the spirit. So praying in the spirit is a part of our Christian armor that we can pray out in the spirit and protect us from all the evils that are out there in this age. And then finally, it's the doorway into the supernatural. It's a doorway into the supernatural. The more you pray in the spirit, the more you stay in the spirit, the more you have activity in the spirit, the more you give place to things of the spirit. So the more we pray in the Holy Ghost, praise God, the more we are inviting God's spirit to move and manifest himself among us. That's why these people that get involved with Ouija boards, seances, tarot card readings, etc., etc., sacrifices, rituals. You see, they start off just, uh, you know, dabbing in it just a little here, a little there. Then the more they keep on doing it, the more they keep on doing it. Before you start realizing what happens is the supernatural begins to operate. And these people get sucked in right into it. And before you know it, they get themselves involved in wrong spirits. Why is it that we understand that if a, peop- if a person continues to hang around that stuff and, and tamper with that stuff, it'll open, expose that life to an evil spirit. And that evil spirit will get in on them and jump on them and, and do all kinds of things because you gave opportunity. You gave territory to the devil. You got on his territory and he obliged. Gene Dixon, I believe, was one that was supposedly the noted American psychic all these predictions that she had made and all that, right? She was involved in, in, in that kind of stuff and a lot of her predictions were absolutely absurd and wrong. And today, who do we have today? The Long Island Medium. You know the Long Island Medium? Teresa Caputo. She talks to the dead. Talks to the dead. Helps the, Yes. Helps these people that have lost their loved one to just cope with it by communicating with their dead loved one and then saying things that they want to hear. And the more these people get involved in doing stuff like that, the more the devil will oblige them. If she does talk to a spirit, it is a familiar spirit who knows that person who's dead, who will manifest himself and they'll fall victim to it every time because they're vulnerable they're hurt, they have heartache and pain, they have grief, they're crying out. So if those people get involved in all those things and all of a sudden they open up the realm of the spirit to themselves by doing so, how much more should we expect the Holy Ghost to manifest himself in our lives when we lift up our voice and pray in the Holy Ghost and invite him, praise God, to manifest himself. And let's, con- let's conclude with these scriptures in Luke 11. Because some people are afraid. But that tongues, I've been, I've been taught, I've been taught all my life that it is of the devil. I've had people tell me this. Matter of fact, I had this one, matter of fact, years ago, this young girl and her fiance at the time. She, the, the girl came from a Baptist church or her father is a Baptist preacher. And she was taught all her life. She's like, 18, 19, 20 years, somewhere around there, that tongues is not for today. Now, she wasn't taught to the devil, but she was taught that it's not for today. And that was their theology. That's what they believed. That's what she believed. And she grew up in that all these years. And so uh, she started coming to our church. They were here. And long story short, she started coming to the church. And then, uh, since they were from, I think it was California at the time, if I'm not mistaken, and they spent a couple of days of the parsonage with us or whatever and um, I just said you know what can I just have 15 minutes of your time give me 15 minutes to sit down and explain to you what the scriptures teach and then you tell me what you think after that because she never heard the other side never heard the flip side just heard it's not for anybody it's not for today so I walked her through and she was a stickler for the word I walked her through every verse of scripture that I knew about receiving the Holy Ghost, speaking with other tongues as he gives utterance. Now remember, she comes from this background. 
after we got done she looked at all those verses of scripture she said I'm going to look these over and meditate them again go ahead came to church the following Sunday night she came up to the altar I gave an altar call anybody want to be filled with the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues altar is open for you she came walking up and I said well what do you think she said I've read all the verses of scripture I never knew they were in there like that before I was never taught any of this she said but I believe it's for, for today and I believe it's, it's for everybody and so I'm coming here I want you to lay hands on me so I can receive the Holy Spirit and speak with other tongues you know what I just recently heard another preacher say you don't always get a fluent language you just start with the, the this or that like something like you know what, what's the normal one? Shandala Shandala is the old Pentecostal statement that everybody started with Shandala 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 and so the fellow just kind of said well you, you just I, I never heard of anybody getting a language well this young lady didn't even touch her I don't think I just said receive, I told her exactly how to receive, said receive the Holy Ghost. She began to speak in a fluent heavenly language that was so beautiful, so wonderful, absolutely beautiful. And she just fluently began speaking out. I actually took a step back and just looked at her because I had never seen anybody do it that way before. But she came from this denominational background that taught us not for today. And all of a sudden, she's got this beautiful language. She said, I could have been doing this all my Christian experience. See, you're you're missing out. They're missing out. You're missing out on a lot of things that we see here in Scripture. But concluding, let's read these last verses and we'll conclude. The Holy Ghost wants to manifest himself in the life of every believer. Tongues is for today. It's a spiritual gift available to all believers. Every single one can receive the Holy Spirit. Speak with other tongues. The Spirit of God gives utterance. It opens up the door to the supernatural ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But look at these verses in Luke 11. For those that might think, I'm going to get a wrong spirit. Now, if a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? No. What will he give him? Bread. If he ask a fish, will he, for a fish, give him a serpent? And remember, serpent represents the devil. Or if he shall ask an egg, will he give him what? A scorpion? Another. The devil. And the answer is no. He's going to give him an egg, bread, and fish. So if you then being natural evil, natural people, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Someone might say, but that doesn't say tongues. Remember I said, as you buy the shoes, the tongue goes with it. So if you get the Holy Ghost, the tongue goes with them. It's for all of us. And the more we do it, the more blessed we'll be. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, We have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound. And through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence to God first and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you and God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, Come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. 
I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.